0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of One of These Nights on the One of These Nights podcast, normally broadcasting on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM in the green and gray box and streaming in the TuneIn app, but this week I had to schedule my conflict and couldn't record this week's episode live. I do apologize for that, but here on Monday, September 30th, 2019, should have the podcast up and ready to go on Spotify, Apple Music, and every other platform streamer. Got a lot to get into here. I'm going to keep it relatively short, but just wanted to make sure that I hit on a couple little things from the weekend in sports. Then we'll also talk about a Mizzou sports snippet that relates to an important game this weekend for Missouri football against none other than the Troy Trojans. We'll get into that right off the bat. Then we'll talk about college football's record-breaking September. Really strong article on ESPN this morning from Bill Connolly, a college football writer on that site. Walked through... The amazing statistics and happenings really overall of the 2019 September college football season. Already been a great start to the season. I can't believe October's tomorrow. I really enjoy that month. Probably my second favorite month of the year personally. Big Christmas time fan. Also celebrate my birthday with my twin brother in December and just love the feeling and sentiment of Christmas and the colder weather. Lots to look forward to there, but October can't go wrong with the pumpkin patch football a uh, pumpkin-flavored beverage or snack. I love October, and I cannot wait to uh, flip the calendar tomorrow. Either way, enough sentiment. We'll keep on going with college football's record-breaking September, talk about the best five games of the month, talk about the best transfers from the month, and then we'll also finish with Press On, where a Mizzou-made beat writer found himself in the national scope with a comment from a press conference going relatively viral don't want to spill the beans too early on that one that'll be last but first up let's talk about a Mizzou sports snippet September 9th 2004 so we passed the anniversary by a couple of weeks here but it's still pertinent because of Missouri's opponent this weekend the Tigers are three and one after a season opening loss against the Wyoming Cowboys in Laramie have really bounced back nicely and they they currently sit at 3-1, as I mentioned. Schedule moving forward is relatively favorable, especially after Kentucky quarterback Terry Wilson is out for the season. The Tigers have that matchup on September 26th. They also take their first road con- contest, I should say, October the 19th at Vanderbilt. That game's looking pretty good for the Tigers coming forward. But I want to talk about a game that happened over a decade ago. 14 years ago, as a matter of fact. The Tigers in 2019 take on Troy, none other than the Troy Trojans at Faro Field this weekend. You can hear the game on KCOU. We'll start with pregame coverage about 2.15, and then kickoff will take place at 3 o'clock. Kyle Jones and Sterling Siemens on the call from the press box at Memorial Stadium. But this is not the first time that the Tigers and Troy have matched up on the gridiron. This is actually the fourth scheduled contest. Perhaps none more famous than the one that took place on September 9th, 2004. This was a season marked by huge expectations for Missouri after the breakout of quarterback Brad Smith the year prior. Gary Pinkle had really established a program in the earliest part of his tenure to this point. Brad Smith took the field at quarterback for Missouri and things went well out of the gate. In Troy, Alabama, Tigers raced out to a 14-0 lead. Damian Nash with a rushing touchdown in the first quarter. Brad Smith then found Victor Cece for a 10-yard touchdown. A couple, er, uh, excuse me, a couple extra points by Joe Tantarelli put the Tigers up 14-0. But folks, after that, let me tell you, things did not go well for Missouri. Jason Samples then grabbed a pass across the middle for a Jermaine Richardson 26-yard touchdown, and Troy halved the Missouri lead. Things didn't get much prettier after that. Missouri fumbled the ball on the Troy 40-yard line. DeWitt Batterson knocked it out. Junior Lusant picked it up and advanced at 60 yards for a score. So just when Missouri thought it was going to be up comfortably in this game, not exactly what the Tigers were hoping for. They fumble it away, and then Troy ties the game at 14. Greg Wibbs nails a 43-yard field goal right before the half, a minute and seven seconds remaining. Excuse me, and suddenly Missouri on a strange game. It's a weeknight contest at a Sunbelt team. This game was played on a Thursday night. Finds itself down 17-14 to at the half. Troy gets the ball out of the half, and Aaron Leak, his only passing touchdown of the day, he went. Excuse me, yeah, he went seven of twenty for ninety-four yards. He didn't even hit the hundred-yard mark. Struggled on the day. Thirty-three of those yards came on one play. He found Jason Samples for a thirty-three-yard score, and suddenly Mizzou found itself down twenty-four to nothing. Brad Smith really struggled in the second half. And the Tigers give away a tough contest. They lose this game as a ranked team 24 to 14. The number 19 Missouri football Tigers fell in September of 2004. Smith with a couple turnovers in the second half. Mizzou actually outgained Troy. Trojans didn't even put up 293 yards of offense. Each team turned the ball over three times. Missouri actually had more possessions and more first downs in this game. What a strange contest, and Missouri actually would go on to really struggle down the, down the road in this season. The interesting anecdote about this game, the Tigers came in ranked number 19 in the AP poll, but they were 17 in the coaches' poll. So this team was widely respected and highly regarded, led by Brad Smith, who was considered by some to be a fringe Heisman Trophy candidate, and yet the Tigers came up just short. Interestingly, perhaps the most distinguished Troy alum. Demarcus Ware played in this game, all sunbelt in 2003 and 2005. He didn't have too much of an impact on this one, but sure enough, the future Dallas Cowboys linebacker and defensive end took the field for the Troy State. They were once called the Troy State Tro- Trojans. He didn't have an impact on this game, but played some of the special teams and actually spent most of the season hurt. Either way, Troy would go on to become a football powerhouse And it's affectionately known as a giant killer. And Missouri sure felt that in 2004. Later on in 2017, the Trojans would go to LSU and beat the Tigers on homecoming. And what was a fantastic game a couple years ago, Brandon Silvers, widely considered an NFL prospect at that point, eventually found his way onto a couple practice squad rosters at quarterback. But then the very next year, the Trojans took their talents to Lincoln and handily beat the Nebraska Cornhuskers and what was a tough loss in Scott Frost's first year as head coach for Nebraska. Neil Brown actually took the job at West Virginia, so Missouri faced off against their former Troy State foe. Earlier this season, the Tigers won that game 38-7 to for their first win of 2019. But I don't know if Barry Odom... If any of the Missouri players, if much of the Missouri coaching staff actually remembers this game, it serves as a bit of motivation. The Tigers really put up a stinker. The only time they've ever traveled to Troy, Alabama, and the Trojans come calling once again this weekend. 3 o'clock the kickoff time. You can hear it on KCOU. We hope to see you there as part of Sports Saturday. So there's your Mizzou Sports snippet as always not exactly a good one. I apologize if you're listening for nostalgia in Mizzou sports history. I might have uncovered a painful memory that you might have forgotten if you're a Missouri fan. I do apologize for that. But if it makes you feel any better, the two faced off in 2005 in Columbia and Missouri won 44-7. to So there were no problems the very next season. There probably won't be any on Saturday. Otherwise, we'll have a lot to talk about in next week's show. As I mentioned, there was an interesting article on ESPN this morning, College Football's Record-Breaking September by Bill Connolly. Does a really nice job chronicling everything over at that fine publication. And basically to start, I won't read the whole thing, obviously, because it's his work and you should go support it on the website. But I do want to hit some of the key points here. Right out of the gate, he notes that 2018 was notorious for chalk. Alabama and Clemson pretty much favored the whole way. Both teams found themselves undefeated when they faced off in the national championship game in January. And then Oklahoma and Notre Dame were a bit of surprises. Eventually both would go on to be pounded in the semifinal, Notre Dame losing 30-3, to and Oklahoma putting up a decent fight in the second half, but ultimately coming up well short of Alabama. But he noted that, look, just like last year, where we saw Oklahoma and Notre Dame break in, there might be a chance for New teams to grab some of those playoff bids. Clemson and Alabama have combined for nine out of twenty possible playoff bids since its inception. Oklahoma and Ohio State have accounted for four of those fourteens. That's pretty interesting. We could see some new faces in the college football playoff. He gives LSU a twenty-six percent chance to make it, Auburn a twenty-five percent, Penn State seventeen, Wisconsin nine, and Florida six. There's going to be a lot of shuffling around in there. Auburn still got to play Florida, still got to play Georgia, still got to play Alabama. I think they lose all three of those games. But there still could be some new faces. I think that LSU has the best chance of that group to make the playoff. I think Wisconsin is a fantastic shot. They went undefeated in the regular season in 2017, only come up just a game short. Ohio State certainly figures to sneak its way in there at some point. And then Georgia basically just has to keep what it's got going on right now to slide into the playoffs. Missouri versus Georgia coming up on November 9th. You can also hear that game on KCOU. Elsewhere, 2019 has been marked by some great stories from programs that have found themselves in the doldrums of college football over the past couple years with significant improvement. And maybe none other really capture the eye of nationally than Oregon State. They were 71st in scoring last year. Their SP plus rating, basically an offensive category that Connolly is using here to measure their offensive output, is up 15.9 adjusted points per game over 2018. They're still ranked 71st, but they've improved that much. SMU 5-0, the Mustangs, ranked for the first time in years in the football program. We'll have more on them in just a minute. They're the second most improved team, according to Connolly. Baylor, 4-0. Also flying under the radar a a little bit. Didn't receive many AP votes this week. Liberty comes in fourth. Oregon in fifth. Other notable programs, Illinois, TCU, and Tulsa. But where there's been improvement, there's also been much regression. And maybe none other more notable than Stanford. Who's down 13.8 points per game? They've really struggled with KJ Costello being injured out of the gates so far. Other teams in this list include Fresno State, who played in the Mountain West Championship game last season, Ohio, Miami, Ohio, and Nevada. Elsewhere, he also notes that there's a race to 200, that being quarterback rankings. Unbelievable q- QBR so far from a select group. Through the first couple weeks, Jalen Hurts leads that bunch. Well on his way to a Heisman Trophy. Boy, it just seems like Lincoln Riley pumps him out every single year. He's got a two forty nine point nine QBR. Joe Burrow of LSU also in that conversation. Two twenty five point six QBR. Tua to Tagovailoa of Alabama. Two hundred twenty five point two. The best quarterback that nobody talks about at number four in Tanner Morgan of Minnesota. He had a fantastic performance against Purdue. Two, t- excuse me. 21 for 22, 396 passing yards and four scores and a 38-31 win at Purdue. And then Justin Fields rounds out the top five for Ohio State with a 194.4 passer rating. Hasn't really been challenged yet defensively, but he certainly will as they get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. There's also a couple more races going on. Both teams are looking to pace their way to both, excuse me, all those quarterbacks are looking to pace their teams to 50 points a game. LSU averaging 57.8 points per game. Oklahoma led all teams last year with a 48.4 points per game average, just for some perspective. Baylor and Florida State were the last two teams to average 50 points a game in 2013, in case you're wondering. Elsewhere, we've only seen one team allow under 12 points per game since 2012. That was Alabama in 2017. But there are quite a few Big Ten teams that are Gunning to do so. Wisconsin averaging just 7.3 points per game allowed. They only gave up 15 to Northwestern on Saturday. Penn State only giving up 7.5. Iowa State, 8.5. Ohio State, 8.6. Florida giving up just 8.8. Georgia, 10. Even Oregon, 10.5. And San Diego State, 11.5. Speaking of defenses, boy, was the UConn defense bad last year. I don't want to cover everything that he mentioned here, and I mentioned Bill Connolly was the one who wrote this article. You can find it on ESPN under their college football tab. Of 138 defensive drives for the UConn defense last year, 28 of those ended up in a punt. No FBS team forced fewer than 37. They were the only one. 11 of those resulted in a turnover. Only four teams forced fewer. 81, a shocking 81, allowed in a, of the defensive possessions for UConn last year resulted in a touchdown. No other team. With the exception of Louisville and Oregon State, who gave up 76 and 71, respectfully, allowed more than 68. Pretty incredible statistics there. Elsewhere, unsung Heisman heroes in the conversation after week five. Joe Burrow, I think you could throw in that conversation, even though he's widely respected across the nation for what he did as a recruit on to last year, where he managed the games extremely well. But. Boy, under Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, came from the NFL. He has changed the way that Joe Burrow and the LSU offense plays. He's certainly in that conversation. But Oklahoma State pierced the rankings this week. The Cowboys 4-1 and one after knocking off ranked Kansas State on Saturday. Chuba Hubbard has been a fantastic part of that. He has 938 rushing yards. The next closest in that category, in the, nas- in the nation, I should say, J.K. Dobbins, who has 654. Chuba Hubbard running away with the Doak Walker Award so far, given to the nation's top running backs. The rest of the top five, A.J. Dillon, Marvin Kinsey Jr., and Kylan Hill with 626 yards, both of those guys. Pretty unbelievable month statistically, but I do want to go bigger picture and talk about some of the best games and the best players so far. The best five games, in my opinion, in the month of September. Number one. UCLA 67, Washington State 63 on Saturday the 21st. What an amazing game that was. It was like a basketball game. I talked about it last week on the show. In case you missed it, you can find it on Spotify and all other podcast players. Anthony Gordon threw nine touchdowns in the air for Washington State. It still wasn't enough. UCLA picks up their first win of the season. Elsewhere. LSU 45 Texas 38 what a great game that was also that took place back on September the 14th that was where Joe Burrow really came out that was where he showed flashes of his potential and thrust himself in the passing excuse me into the Heisman conversation where Joe Brady really established himself as a fantastic coach for the LSU Tigers Auburn and Oregon I think this game is going to be a little overrated in the grand scheme of things I still only see Oregon going nine and three same thing for Auburn but looking at it from an entertainment standpoint this was a fantastic game I actually didn't get to watch too much of it but Bo Nix to Seth Williams in the waning seconds of the game played at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington made for a fantastic memory for Auburn fans 27 to 21 the Tigers took it on a Fourth place, Michigan and Army back on the 7th of September. The Wolverines are struggling mightily this season. They've only lost one game, but the offense not exactly doing what Josh Gattis, the new offensive coordinator, and Jim Harbaugh, the head coach there. Seat getting a little warm, and he did not help his case back on the 7th. Michigan struggled with Army. Black Knights took it all the way into overtime. Cole Talley had a chance to win it at the gun, but he missed a field goal wide right for what would have been one of the greatest upsets in football history. Michigan ended up holding on in overtime. I'm putting this in there not because of the performance of Michigan, but because of Army. Interestingly enough, mark your calendars. Next September, Oklahoma travels to West Point to play Army in what might be the biggest game ever at that school, at least in the modern perspective. Army's had a lot of success with football in the early 20th century fifth and final best game of September BYU and Tennessee back on the seventh what a game for the Cougars they found themselves down by a couple scores in this game late but they rally send it to overtime eventually Zach Wilson's strong play at quarterback sets up what really was a terrible defensive scheme from LSU but BYU able to exploit it 60-yard passing play late in the game sets up a game-tying field goal. And Olroy was able to drill it to send the game to overtime. And then all the Cougars had to do was outplay the volunteers at that point. Both teams score in the extra frame. The first one, at least, Tennessee forced to kick a field goal in the second. And then BYU marches right down and scores for a signature win for Kalani, Sataki and company. So those are the best five games of the 2019 season, in my own opinion. Then we'll talk about the top transfers here real quick. I think that Jalen Hurts has unquestionably been the best transfer quarterback. And this ended up being a list of quarterbacks just because they have the largest impact. There were significant players that entered the transfer portal. In case you don't know what that is, that's a revolutionary new thing in college football where athletes can, student athletes, I should say, can enter their names and be contacted by teams who are interested in adding them as a graduate or a natural transfer. I think that Jalen Hurts tops that list. We already talked about it. Nearly a 250 quarterback ranking. He's been fantastic for Oklahoma. They haven't had a real challenge, but circle your calendar. They go to Kansas this weekend, but they return to Dallas on October the the 12th, I should say, and battle the Texas Longhorns what what is one of my favorite personal games every single year. Number two, I'd give it to Justin Fields. Once again, he came in fifth in that QBR list. He's been fantastic for Ohio State. Hasn't really been tested but I've been really impressed with him. Number three, Shane Bouchel from SMU. You remember that name? He used to start for the those aforementioned Texas Longhorns back in 2015. Helped guide the team to a big win over Notre Dame at the time in September, but of 2016, I should say. But eventually fell out of favor, lost his starting job to Sam Ellinger, and transferred up north to SMU, where he's been fantastic in guiding the Mustangs to one of their best starts in program history, 5-0, and The Mustangs ranked number 24 this week. Elsewhere, Jacob Eason started off fantastic in his season, tapered off just a little bit after the team took a loss at home to California, but he has bounced back in a big way. Huskies got a big win over USC at home on Saturday. Looking for more big things out of the Georgia transfer. Speaking of more transfers, This one's a little closer to home. Kelly Bryant of Missouri. I'm going to put him at five on this list. Hasn't done anything eye-popping statistically like Hertz or Fields, but has guided his team to three tough victories, beat his home state school against South Carolina a couple weeks ago, and has managed the game extremely effectively. Missouri's done a lot of things to open up the game for him and play really well to his strengths, and he hasn't tried to do too much. He's made a couple of mistakes. He has three interceptions on the year. Two of them really were terrible decisions. One of them... He wasn't set up very nicely on a design passing play. But other than that, six passing touchdowns, ran for 99 yards against South Carolina. I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him. I think Missouri is getting exactly what it thought it would out of Bryan. Finally, we're going to finish with press on. And I mentioned that I started the show with this back in our debut episode in August. But this is basically just an overview at an issue in sports media And my, at least, thoughts on it. Deshaun Watson yesterday, Houston Texans quarterback. Last time, I promise you I'm not trying to slander Houston. Last time I did this segment, we talked about Justin Verlander and how he refused to talk to a Tigers beat reporter that he had problems with in the past. This one strikes a little closer to home, though, because the reporter asking the question is Mizzou Maid's Aaron Reese, graduate of the Missouri School of Journalism back in 2017. I actually know him somewhat personally. I met him on a couple of occasions. I don't think he would know me. He came and spoke with my class, and I've just interacted with him a little bit, covering the Mizzou beat over the years. But it's still hard to see him get kind of thrown under the bus of it in the national scope. And I realize that Twitter doesn't always tell the story. But there were people who put this clip of Deshaun Watson and his reaction suggesting that Reese Maybe he didn't know what he was talking about. Maybe he was a bit out of line. I'll let you be the judge, and I'll play the clip here for you right now. coverage they're playing? Is there anything you guys can do as an offense to manufacture more opportunities for you to try to try them downfield, or was that kind of the only two or three opportunities you had in the game? Uh, I mean, you know what coverage they're playing. What well, you you said I, earlier? Yeah, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not. No, I'm not, no, no. I, 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 I it's want. Cover, I want. This cover is cover four. Yeah. So what the the safeties are doing? They're playing deep. And they're guarding number two. Corner sink, and they trap two. And so what they're doing is keeping everything in. Front of- I'll save you the football lease. Basically, Deshaun Watson puts on an exhibition of his football IQ when he explains every defense that, at least every defensive scheme that Carolina threw at them throughout that game. You might have heard the brief pause there and kind of the scoff from Watson. I think he was a little frustrated and maybe thought that Aaron Reist was projecting the image that maybe he knew a little bit more about football. And the expression from Watson, I hope you can find this video, it's at Rivers McCown on Twitter. The expression of Watson is one of, is this guy really asking me about football? But I don't think that's at all what Aaron Reese was trying to do there, especially when he comes in his defense and says, you mentioned before Watson even cuts him off. I'm not putting blame on Deshaun Watson here. I just think that much was made about nothing here. This article is on spun.com and it it's titled Deshaun Watson's perfect answer to reporter's questions going viral and it's kind of brought in the sense that Watson was being snarky and that the reporter was out of his line. I don't think that he was. I don't think that Reese was at all saying that he knew more than Watson in this case. I don't think that Watson was trying to disrespect him either. I think that Deshaun Watson coming off a loss, 16 to 10 to the Panthers at home in case you missed it yesterday, was a little frustrated. And he wasn't on the same page with the reporter. He was just asking for clarification. Maybe he was in a bad mood. I think that's exactly what happened here. I want to give them both the benefit of the doubt in this situation. But I think ultimately this was just much ado about nothing. Aaron Reese was doing his job. Deshaun Watson's doing his job. The NFL contracts stipulate that players like Watson have to come speak to the media on a regular basis. It's just part of the job. And I think that Watson's frustration with the loss just came through in that game. I don't really think there was anything else going on there I don't really see what was made the big fuss about it, but kudos to Aaron Reese for sticking on his own, for biting his tongue when he had to, and letting Watson talk over him. I think that was a really good job. And I think in an era where reporters are criticized regularly, you have to give the players the benefit of the doubt, and that's okay. And I don't really think that Deshaun Watson was being disrespectful anyway. Just my thoughts and opinion once again. That video is available on Twitter at Rivers McCown if you want to listen to it for yourself. So we touched on a Mizzou sports snippet. We talked about the history of the Tigers and Troy ahead of their matchup this weekend. You can hear it again on KCOU. Lots to look forward to this weekend with college football. We talked about the best of September. We hope that you stick around for October in our coverage on KCOU 88.1 FM. As for now, for my station compatriots here at Ksu 88.1 FM, I thank you for joining on with me this afternoon, wherever you're listening. Thanks for supporting student radio and the one of these nights podcasts. The live recording takes place on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Stick around next week. We'll have a very special guest joining us, Sarah Hicks, my known girlfriend, joining us for a quiz segment. And then we'll have a Mizzou sports snippet as always with a little bit of sports history sandwiched in between. Hope to see you then for the live recording. As for now, signing off for the final time this afternoon, my name is Garrett Jones. Hope to see you around, and God bless.